Hi, uh, welcome to Movie Butts. This is a podcast where we do a bunch of math to determine the best and worst of a certain topic. Uh, I'm Arnie Joe, and this is Dane. Hello. We, uh, to get the math and to figure out what we watch, we, uh, you know, we aggregate the, the, the fucking, the things. Those things include, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, Metacritic, the box office, the budget. I put it all out in a spreadsheet and I, uh, do a bit of math. I kind of pick at it and have a look at it, bring it all together and bingo, bango, bongo. We have the best and worst of our topic. I just quickly like to say sorry that it took so long for an episode to come out. You know how 2020 is a fucking bitch? Well, it, it was a bitch to me for a little while, so we're back. And uh, yeah, thanks for sticking around. Um, so, Dane, uh, yeah. what did what was our topic and uh, what did we watch? Uh, we watched the best and worst of the era known as the McConaissance. What what did we just... What, what was that... Because I kept getting it wrong. I was calling it the McConaughey-sense. Yeah. And you would determine so, that that's not a thing. And then we later found out it's actually referred to as the McConaissance, which I could record a whole podcast on why that pisses me off if you'd, if you'd like. Yeah, but, uh, why not? <laughs> well, because that doesn't... It's the Renaissance. Like, it's the Ene part. And he's the, the end of his name is McConaughey. So, Onahey... You know what I mean? But they take yeah, but it just the doesn't only part the of his name well. that doesn't sound like Renaissance, and they call it the the McConaissance. That doesn't yeah, make well, any sense. It sounds better. The McConaissance. Um, no, McConaissance. You're wrong. The yeah, world but is mine right, makes and you're more wrong. Sense. Mine makes more sense. They just shouldn't go anywhere near it. You know. So. The 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 McConaissance, I almost said McConaughey-sons, motherfucker. The McConaissance is the era in which um, little, you know, little chrysalis McConaughey came out of the, the decade or more of making his little romantic comedies and started digging his teeth back into serious work. So that started in, I think, was it 2012? With, yeah, um, I think the Lincoln, Lincoln Lawyer, Lawyer is Lincoln where Lawyer. We start. And it's debated as to where it ended. Um, so originally we discussed it as end, like going from Lincoln Lawyer to now. Um, a lot of people online believe that the McConaissance ended with Interstellar. But um, my opinion actually kind of fits with uh, what we ended up watching. Uh, so... What were the two films, by the way? Just we should probably quickly say that before I go too deep into it. Okay, so we watched um, Dallas Buyers Club, which was, I guess you would call, peak reconnaissance. Yep. And we watched some other piece of shit that I can't remember <laughs> the title of. The it's Sea of Trees. Sea of Trees, yeah. yeah. Which so... um, made me want to hang myself in the Japanese suicide forest. <laughs> I hope not. Well, so, um, yeah, so the best was Dallas Buyers Club. As you said, peak reconnaissance. That movie was nominated for everybody. Academy Award won two. Um, I think it won three. I think it won um, best actor, best supporting actor. And I think it won best hair and makeup, I think, um, which is pretty cool. Um, This was the same year that I think True Detectives came out. So 2013 was the... McConaughey year that was like the peak of it 
Um, so a lot of people online tend to believe that Interstellar was the end of the McConaissance because it was like the final big film he did mm. before it started to go back into like his Oscar bait. He started becoming like an Oscar bait actor, like jumping onto things that he thinks is going to be another Dallas Buyers Club and it doesn't end up being that. Yeah. But but the film he did directly after um, Interstellar was a movie called Sea of Trees, which has one of those awesome, you know, traits of being for the longest time having 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it was booed at Khan. Like, those motherfucking critics booed this film. It is... It, it made no money or, like, very little money. I'm pretty sure it made... No, literally it... Yeah, it lo- sorry, it lost $25 million. Like, this movie... <laughs> this movie lost so much money. It was booed at Khan. It... Yeah, it has the lowest scores all round in every category. Um... I, I call this the end of the reconnaissance because you can you can kind of like look at Interstellar as a hit in a way. Like it was a blockbuster movie that every man and his dog saw. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but this is the moment in which he, he made the wrong decision and made a crap film, mm-hmm. a universally despised film. And since then, he's kind of had mixed results. Yeah, you know? this one brought him uh, crashing back to Earth. Yeah, this is kind of like the the magic had gone. Because before this, every single thing he was in, from Lincoln Lawyer to now, was either, you know, a commercial success, a critical success, or like a, a good little weird film. Like, there's one in there that isn't necessarily known as like a great film, but it's like a good film for like filmmakers to watch. Like, it's called The Paperboy. Like, mm-hmm. there's stuff in there that is like interesting and not pretentious or not crap you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but yeah this is the moment where it's like okay yep no wait i am just an actor i am just he is just a guy you know he can make stupid decisions um so yeah that's and yeah and dallas buyers club i should probably mention this movie's the little movie that could you know barely they barely raised five million dollars to make this film um, it made a, a bit of money compared to its budget. It's critically loved. Audiences loved it. Yeah, no, you know, the, I call this movie the little movie that could because um, the script was in, they were trying to get money for this movie since I'm pretty sure the 90s. And, you know, eventually they did get the $5 million and like everything was in their way to make this movie. Like they, they could only do one takes for things and, you know, and eventually it came together and this movie was born. So, yeah, I'm happy to say that this is the best. Um, do you want to give a little plot description of the two movies? Yeah, so Dallas Buyers Club is about this rodeo guy in the 80s. And it's important to his character to know that he's a bit of a, um, would you say, a classic bigot? That he's like, he's he's homophobic, he's sexist, he's racist. Um uh, I, don't, I don't know if, if that was fine back then or he was an asshole. I but whatever. That's that's his deal, right? Um, and it's set during the AIDS epidemic. Anyway, so uh, he's he's also um, like a heavy drug user, uh, notorious man whore, and uh, 
he's uh drinks a lot and gambles he's a piece of shit anyway uh one night he passes out and they take him to the hospital and they do a blood test and uh then the doctors tell him that he has hiv and he's like oh what but i'm not gay and they're like yeah yeah you you don't have to be gay to get it and then so he does does some research and realizes that uh he, he, he does have it um and then it's also about um like the the lady at the hospital who's and and the and the medical trials that they're doing there and this big pharmaceutical company that's trying to like push this drug for use to cure AIDS, but Jennifer Garner's like, I don't know about this, this seems unethical, and then her boss is like, yeah, but, you know, money, and she's like, ah, whatever, and then fucking McConaughey goes down to Mexico, because of, uh, this Mexican guy tells him to do that, and then, uh, he realizes that there's this, there's this dude in Mexico who's like, yeah, they're, they're all, like, full of shit, and I lost my medical license, because I'm, I'm speaking up against the big, big farmer, you gotta take, you gotta take, like, vitamins and shit, and so, McConaughey brings the vitamins and stuff back to Texas, and then starts selling it to people who have AIDS to help them, and, uh, starts off as, like, a business thing that he's doing, but eventually it blossoms into, um, a new reality of love and acceptance and, and stuff for him right yeah it's a good way to describe it yeah and the um the other shit the uh um sea of trees <laughs> is about <laughs> is about matthew mcconaughey plays like a writer or something uh, he's 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 basically like a um a professional class guy who's he's like a writer and his wife's a fucking doctor or some shit i don't know and, um, you know, he has emotional problems. And so he, uh, goes out to the Japanese suicide forest to kill himself, which is, so, first of all, that is like, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll go with the plot first. And then while he's in the suicide you, could forest. Could you do me a favor and yeah. stop laughing while you're telling this story, please? I can't. I'm, I'm honestly, <laughs> I'm doing my best. All right. <gasps> So while he's in the forest, he meets, <laughs> he meets, fuck, he meets this guy who I think is played by Ken Watanabe, is that? Yeah, it's Ken Watanabe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, who is also in the suicide forest to kill himself. And uh, they become friends or some shit. And then they're like, actually, I want to live. And then they go to like escape the, <laughs> the Japanese suicide forest. And, uh, during the course of the film, we get flashbacks to his boring life. Long, long uh, flashbacks. And, uh, it's a pretty incredible movie because it's like, I, I read one review where they, uh, said it's a movie made for no one. And I, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. I think that's pretty accurate. It's like, I, like the the premise to me sounds like something some like i can imagine a writer like you know like 
putting little plot points together in their head to try to come up with a, a winning elevator pitch. And they, they came up with this. And so before they have um, an interesting story to tell with that basic presence, they're just like, oh, quickly, got to bang out a script before somebody else comes up with it. And, and they just throw this piece of shit together. Um, yeah. Because it... I don't even know. What do you say about it? Did you like it? Me? Yeah. I, sorry, I have a heart, a brain, and a soul. This movie is dog shit. How would I? <laughs> how does anyone like this film? It's 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 pretentious, insulting, boring shit. There's nothing to like about this film at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I sincerely wonder, like, who makes a movie like this? Well, it's it's made by well the the, the like. The, this movie perplexes me, right? So I'm a fan of the director. Gus Van Sant is a really good indie filmmaker. He 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 usually uses very little money and puts together like a very intimate little film. And they usually make their money back. They're usually somewhat received by critics. Um, and then he continues to make his little movies. Now, I, I, I have to ask you, Dane, of these two films, which one do you think feels like it was made for $5 million and which one of them feels like it was made for $25 million? Oh, yeah, I know, right? Like, I couldn't fucking believe how small the budget was for Dallas Buyers Club, but how big yep. it feels. And this movie, what, it seriously looks like it was made for nothing. Like, in a, in a like sincere budgetary mind, you'd be like... Oh, okay. Well, um, I guess you got to like rent the camera and the lights and pay everyone's fees. I can tell you what it was. It was Matthew McConaughey's fee. It was Gus Van Sant's fee. And it was Ken Watanabe and Amy, uh, uh, what's her name? Naomi Watts's fee. Yeah. That is so where the where money they went to. Like, they, they, all their salary. Yeah. And then you have fucking Dallas Buyers Club where, where every single person on that movie sacrificed their salary to get it made. Yeah. They had a $500 a day makeup budget for that movie. And this is a Hollywood movie. This is a, well, it's an indie film. We can't say it's a Hollywood movie, but this is, but that movie was like a, like it was something. And then, and, and these people are making it because they believe in it and they love it. Mm. And you can, and you can, honest to goodness, like there are a couple of shots in Dallas Buyers Club where, I was like, that doesn't look great. And that's like the bits where they chrome key him into like different countries. Mm. And that looked a bit fake. But but they, they did so much with their money. Mm. And it looks like a bigger film. And yeah. that's why it's the little film that could. But then you look at, you look at, and I just don't, I just don't understand Sea of Trees. You look at Gus Van Sant's work, his movies around $3 million, maybe $10 million. He's made a couple of bigger ones. Like he did the Psycho remake that, I think cost like sixty fucking million dollars and bombed, but but I just don't understand why this movie costs that much. It's actually hurting my brain, and why he made this film. Yeah, it was maybe it was just like um, like a grift. What do you mean? <laughs> to just be like, well, this you know, they, like all four of them just conceive, you know, were like, oh, we can just get five million dollars each for this. You know. I don't, I, that's that's incredibly cynical, and I don't I, think it's, it's a cynical. It's a cynical film. 
I think it was made for cynical. Because there's no reason, there's no way that Gus Van Sant, Matthew McConaughey, anyone working on this movie was like committed to it. Doesn't even have to be in the same way that like the actors and everyone behind Dallas Buyers Club were committed to that story. This Mm. like Sea of Trees, I think, is an example of like zero commitment by everyone on all parts. I don't believe that Gus Van Sant even thought this was good while he was making it. He maybe thought like it'll do or, you know, that's, it feels like there was like a, this despise like for critics or, or for pretentious cinema goers. It's like, yeah, you'll lap this shit up because, and it was so up its own ass, not even like no one liked it. No, I mean, like uh, it's not intellectual. It's not esoteric. It's not, there's nothing that's said in this movie that isn't predictable. And then it's also, I don't want to say racist, but this movie, like, like the weird, like that it's kind of alluded to and revealed that there's magic. There's like mysticism in the fucking Japanese suicide forest. And I kind of find that to be a bit insulting, to be perfectly honest. The part I found to be um, a little on the, the racist side, a little on the uh, problematic side, if you will, was um the I guess you could call it a trope of the American cowboy figure fix uh like like rescuing the bumbling foreigner. Well, he's not a foreigner. He's Japanese in Japan, but you yeah. know what I mean. Like, I know what you mean. As soon as Matthew McConaughey like meets this uh. Japanese guy. Do we learn his name in the film? I can't remember. Yeah, honest okay. to goodness. <laughs> Just call him Ken. So yeah, but he wasn't as... even real. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember so, the twist? Yeah, I know. It turns out at the end that it was actually the uh, spirit of his wife showing him the way. Because, like, yeah, like Ken's whole purpose in the film is to, like, be uh, kind of, yeah, like, kind of a uh, mystical and magic towards... Matthew McConaughey. It's trying to give him a purpose, like remind him why he lives or something. Some stupid pretentious thing. He's there to help him remember why he wants to live. Yeah. But then, yeah, kind of. But then all Matthew McConaughey does is like try to, try to save him. And he's, he's, he's treating him, especially, uh, you know, when, when they first meet and for a, a while after that, he's, um, treating him like a, like a, like a lost child. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, Ooh, wait a minute. Like, why is he, why is he treating him this way? Why is he, but why is he behaving like that? And, uh, the only thing I could think of is that I've seen that like a, a thousand times in other American films where it's like, uh, don't worry everyone. I'm American. I'll get us out of this. Fucking and, hell! Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. It just, it just had that feeling to it. So, and then you throw in the the whole Japanese mystic part, and I was like, oh yeah, I think it's, eh, I think it's a bit racist. I'm not saying it's a fucking white supremacist movie, but oh no, it's not. Whoa, whoa, let's not jump to that conclusion. It's definitely <laughs> not that. I think, I think, like, I think your point is like a very subconscious thing that may have happened while they were writing it like the tropes and everything i don't think that that's a malicious thing but i think it's like i think it's pretty obvious that you shouldn't be romanticizing the japanese suicide forest 
Like, I think that's pretty obvious that you shouldn't be doing that and, like, mm. inferring that there's magic and... Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's kind of a bit... He's like, wow, this place is so beautiful. <laughs> the yeah, mystical, I don't know. The mystical, know. sexy suicide forest. Yeah, it just... I don't know. And, and but, but it's all... It, but, okay, the flashbacks... What were the point of the flashbacks? Uh, I don't know. Fill the runtime, I guess. That's it. Like um, in the movie, that they, they it just like it would just cut from him wandering around the woods with Ken Watanabe, and then it would cut to him arguing with his wife. Yeah. And like she's being the worst. Like she is the worst human being on the planet, right? Yeah. And we're meant to like understand why they love each other and like why she would send her ghost back to help him. But like all the flashbacks do is establish that he's really nice and down to earth and she sucks. Yeah. Like that's all this that's all they do. Yeah. She's and, mean to him and um we don't even know why he Oh no 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 no. It's the, no it's the it's the it's the overdone trope of you're following your dreams but you don't make any money. So I hate mm. you because yeah. you you have a passion and he's like my novel's about to be done, you know, like <laughs> And it's just, and and I'm just hearing it, and like I was, I was, I wasn't getting like two one one vibes, but the conversations they were having in those flashbacks I've heard before, but mm. better, and and even McConaughey and Naomi Watts, who in her own right is a pretty good actress, mm. just seem bored. I didn't know that it was Naomi Watts. Oh until really? The credits, yeah, I didn't recognize her, and I usually really like her. Yeah, so much she's so that good. I wish she was in more things. Yeah, so <laughs> I was thinking, like, who is this? Like, the fucking producer's wife or something? You got mm. her in this fucking movie? She sucks. But it was uh, a sleepwalking Naomi Watts. Mm, I don't know. But, like, so you're telling me that... I love how we've kind of jumped to the bad one. We've kind of jumped over Dallas Buyers Club. But we'll, we'll get there. Um, a film director that has on purpose gone out of their way to steer clear for the most part from the mainstream Hollywood Mm. by making little films for like $3 million and stuff like that, you genuinely think that he made this movie to make money? Um, no. I mean, the only thing that makes sense... The only thing that makes sense to me is that um, it was either like a grift... Or a big fuck you to professional class people who are usually uh, critics. I mean, critics who are usually um, like professional class people who who don't have any real world problems or any like um, elite responsibilities. They just kind of live a cozy life and and have emotional problems because they don't really have fulfillment. They just... um, you know, they just write articles in a, in a crap publication that no one um, with any sense of quality reads. They just, and, and they get paid like $200,000 a year to do that. And then they just drink wine and complain about their partners at the, the fucking dinner party with other awful people like them. And so I was like, is he making fun of these people? Or am I meant to be relating to them? Because they're no, all the, very the, unlikable. There's no, there's no, like, soul. There's no wink. 
it just seems so on the nose with everything. Like, it seems to take itself cripplingly serious. Like, there's a scene where, you know, Ken Watanabe is dying and Matthew McConaughey is speaking about things and they're just sitting by a campfire. And, like, it had one of those conversations where they were just talking and just, like, pseudo-intellectual bullshit nonsense gibberish that I just started fading out. And, like, I can't yeah. tell you what that conversation was, but I can tell you it went for a solid eight minutes. Like, <laughs> like the, the, them just sitting by the fire talking about, like, nothing, but everything at the same time, like, things that seem to be, like, are meant to be profound, just yeah. went on for... And, and, and without, a, without, a, without a glimpse or even a hint at, you know, like... Yeah, I don't, had, like, I'm, a real... Um, self-awareness, TV you know? tone to it, where yeah. it's, like... It's very serious, it's very slow, it's very drab, and it's very vague. And they're meant to, and they think that there's an audience for that? Yeah, uh, like, again, that's why I think, like, it was a cynical endeavor, because maybe Gus Van Sant was like, I'm going to make a movie for a movie critic. I think that Matthew McConaughey is supposed to be a movie critic. He was giving the critics a character that they could embody. Like they're supposed to look at Matthew McConaughey and be like, that's me. I wish that I was a real writer. Uh, My wife also hates me too. Um, I also want to go to the Japanese suicide forest and kill myself. But, um, you know, the mystic Japanese man is giving me a reason to live. I thank you. Mm. I love this movie. Five stars. Right. But instead, they took it as an insult. And they said, this is what you think of me? You think I'm boring? Hmm. The, I, I'm thinking about it. The only thing I can think of is that Matthew McConaughey was attached to this before Gus Van Sant. Mm. And, like, Gus Van Sant's like, hey, do you want to direct the next big Matthew McConaughey movie? And he might have been like, oh, that's a sure thing. Like... Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. he's on a hot streak. I can, you know, great. I haven't, like, it's been a while since I made my last hit, which I think was Milk in, like, 2008. Like, I haven't made a, a bit of a hit in a while. Okay, I'll do this Matthew McConaughey movie. And then, you know, because it's a Matthew McConaughey movie, everyone's getting paid premium. You know, it's... Fuck. I don't know. Yeah. Really blows my brain. I I'd mean, like to- I, I think, though... Um, if you pitched it to me as a short film and said, yeah, a man wanders through the Japanese suicide forest, but then he comes across another guy. Yeah, but two and hours. Then, and then has an instinct to help him. And then while they talk and get to know each other while they're lost and trying to find their way out, we get we flash back through his life to realize like why he wanted to like kill himself i'd be like oh, okay that's not bad but you got to make sure it's handled properly because that could very easily be shit um yeah but yeah two hours is fucked it would be um i think it's a better idea for a comedy to be honest like a dark comedy because i kept imagining like what if this was like the same premise but had the tone of without a paddle uh it might be one of my favorite movies i'm gonna pretend i didn't hear that Um, (laughs) shall we talk about Dallas Buyers Club? Yeah, let's do it. What do you think of Dallas Buyers Club? Because I was very interested, because I had a feeling you could have loved or hated this film. 
Well, I loved it. And, you know, I saw it um, not long after it came out. Um, mm -hmm. So it came out and there was all this um, buzz around it. And um, I was pretty pessimistic because um, I just thought, oh, okay, this is like, you know, classic Oscar shit. Matthew McConaughey is going through the physical transformation, which they love because it means they can physicalize a performance. They go, wow, he did good acting because he got really skinny for the role. And, uh, oh, Jared Leto did really good because, uh, you know, he's dressing like a, a woman and doing the uh, feminine gestures. That's And the skinny thing as well. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, it's probably not very good. So I saw it like a year after it came out, the buzz died down, and I loved it. And I hadn't seen it again since. And I thought, uh, maybe I was caught up in the hype because <laughs> surely it wasn't as good as I remember. And then I watched it again and I was like, this movie's fucking good as it's really entertaining. Yeah. Uh, like I was, I was dead certain that I was going to think Jared Leto sucked. I'm like, there was no way he was good. He was great. Uh, McConaughey. Great. I actually like, <laughs> At the same time, when I saw the movie when it came out, I was like, holy shit, that guy can really act. Um, I Because he's now crap again, I'd forgotten that he was that good. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah that's right. This guy can really act. Um, yeah, I love it. That's what about awesome. You? This, well, this movie, I have a bit of a different history with this film. So... This is the film where I realized that I was a really big cinephile film nerd because the director of this, Jean-Marc Valli, directed my favorite movie. Um, it's called Crazy. It's a, it's a weird little um, French-Canadian film. And, you know, I stayed up one night and watched it on SBS and I fell in love with it. And that movie's one of the reasons why I'm into film and, like, why I wanted to make movies. Mm -hmm. So I was keeping track of his career and then I heard about this film from, early, like, pre-production. So, like, I was anticipating this movie for, I think, two years. So, I went and saw it at the movie and I, you know, and I cried. And it was, like, one of those... It, it, I think it was the moment where I realized how, like, this film is instrumental in why I love film. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, no, I have a lot of love for this film. Um, I think it's amazing. Um, I think it's, you know, and you think about, like the elements that go into it. It's like inspiring. Like they had no time to do anything. They had to rush things. Um, no one was getting paid. They made it because they loved it. I think all of it was shot on one lens, a 50 millimeter. Um, they really just, I don't know. It just, and it captures that energy for me. Yeah. It just, it just feels like a movie that, that didn't get made. It escaped. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. this movie had to, it had to be, it had to be made and it, and it finally got out and, you know, and and I'm happy to say that it got the respect and the admiration that it deserves. Like, there is a movie out there that was nominated for Best Picture that is basically a big finger to Big Pharma. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, I think um, this is such a this is such a good example of you know because most most films uh you know it is an industry, mm -hmm. so. Most films are made because, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's just a job. Um, yep. you know, so got to, you know, like a lot of McConaughey's films, it's just like, I, I got a gig, you know, got to get paid 
And so, you know, you show up and he'll like do, do his best and do a really good job sometimes. Um, but you know, occasionally you, you have that rare circumstance where it's, um, if money wasn't an object, you know, would you still do it? This is something that, like you said, they had so little money and people sacrificed their salary to get it done because the genuine passion was there. It's a real, like a real act of magic. And so when, you know, people get together and are really passionate about their artistry and they commit to a vision and really feel like they're doing something special, it's kind of hard to explain why it works so well. I mean, that's just me uh, putting up a shield saying I can't properly <laughs> explain myself, but it just, it has that feeling about it in that it's like, while I was watching it, I was thinking like every single tiny little moment is, I don't want to use the word perfect, but great. It's got that element of, of passion in it. There's this yep. one shot where um, he's sitting in the car and, uh, you know, he has that breakdown. Yep. Uh, like, you can't, you know, you can say, like, you know, the framing is really good. And I like the way, like, he appears very large and distorted in the in the frame, which is, like, you know, reflective of his perspective in the moment, or his reality. Uh, but what really makes it work is just how fucking into into that performance he is like he's just like really living that moment right there and that's when like you know you you get to say like a few times when you're in filmmaking that you really captured like a genuine moment and when you get to like capture a genuine moment uh that's exciting and it's what you do it for and they did it in like almost every single fucking frame in this film this film was rushed. I'm pretty sure they shot it in under a month. Yeah. Like, it has to be, like, really efficient with it. And, and you know, and I think they... I don't know who edited the film, but I think that they... they The editor took that energy and played with it in editing as well. Like, there's just this phoneticness to it. The movie doesn't really slow down, but not, not, not like a, an action movie um, way where it's all big and bruh, but there's just this energy to it. like I'm, I'm i'm what's the there's a moment where he's in in mexico and he's like i could sell these and make money or like i can't remember exactly what the line is and then they look at each other then the next shot is of the trunk closing them shaking hands and then him driving off with the shit yeah 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 like it just has this energy to it and you just you don't need anything more than that but they just they they get all the information across in in a simple way but but pretty, you know. Yeah, it's sort of it's almost like um, if you could take like the the entire um, like n- antithesis of this film, so all the all the negative passion that isn't there, and all the time wasting that isn't there, that is exactly what like th- you know the excrements of this film is like sea of trees because throughout this movie like you said they do not fuck around they don't waste time like it 
it the, the plot just keeps running, you know, as it should. Um, whereas in Sea of Trees, it is just nothing but time wasting. It's nothing but fucking around. It's just guys walking around, just just walking around in the woods, wasting time and and being passionless. Yeah. I also think um, it's like a, a, a little bit of a meta narrative, which I uh, found myself appreciating. Please elaborate. Is, is that um, so? Like I said, like the the film is like a real demonstration um, of passion and like, you know, is, is rid of all uh, cynical pursuit. It's a desire to get the movie done just because you have a passion for storytelling. And if yep. there was anything else uh, there other than that, it was probably because it was an, an, an important story to tell. If, you know, you think that's a thing. Sure. Um, but then his character starts out as a very cynical individual and by the end of it becomes a guy who he he stops helping people um just i mean he, he continues helping people but it's not about the money in the end he pretty much starts giving it away by the end if i remember correctly he's just yeah. giving it away you know yeah exactly and um yeah like you said like the reason he gets into it is because he's like hey i how come you're not selling this stuff? You could make money. And so then the next thing we see is he's driving back to America to sell this stuff. And that's all about like a money-making venture for him. And then by the end of it, yeah, he's, he's just like giving it away for free. He's, he stops turning people away if they don't have the money. He's like, these people are sick and they need the, the medicine. And he's uh, like commits to like a life of helping people and being good and they managed to do that without it ever being like cheesy or like overly yeah. corny, which would is, is would be so hard to do. This film teeters on topics and themes and characters that could very easily become pretentious, but it never really does. You know, it no. never really like it somehow balances such a hefty. Um, important, meaty subject without going into that wank or that, you know, that, what was it, inc incredibly, uh, extremely loud and incredibly close sort of territory. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't yeah. go into that. But, you know, like, you, if you read the description for this movie, you could see how it could be that kind of film, you know? Yeah, it sounds like it, you know, it should. So and, then, and then you I see I wouldn't that. call this Oscar bait. Like, this is a movie you could, like, like this could be Oscar bait, but it's not. It's just genuinely a good film. Yeah, like I said, when it came out, I just assumed it was, uh, you know, Green Book, which I yeah. still haven't seen. And, and, you know, apparently I'm right not to. Yeah, don't watch Green Book. Yeah, but I thought it, I just figured it was going to be that. Because it won, it won the Oscar, and so I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, it yeah. didn't win Best Picture. Oh right, okay. But so I was like, "Yeah, okay." So that's just going to be some some Oscar bait shit. No thanks. But, yeah. But um, every now and again, they, they you know there's there's a gen there's a genuine one, you know. Yeah. And it's and it's not made for for a, a cynical purpose. It's got a uh, genuine heart. Yeah, and and the thing is, because it's tackling like it's. Where, where, say, Sea of Trees, what did you say the critic said? This is a movie for no one. Yeah. This is a movie for everyone. Yeah. Like, like maybe not kids. I think that's probably a stretch to say it's not a kid's film. But but you've got you've got enough care. You've got good performances. Um, 
you know, your cinematography, all these things that will appeal to like film nerds or like cinephiles or people in the industry. But also a lot of genuine gen, general audiences love a good true story and like something that's a bit, you know, like a period piece. Yeah. And I know this film, there's a, there's a slight bit of controversy behind it because it's not exactly accurate. But to be honest, I don't really care because it's like, as long as the, like the themes and stuff, like what they're trying to say is right... I think it doesn't really matter. Like, it's not like they're making a biopic about someone famous or something like a like an like they make a Twin Towers movie, but the movie is like inaccurate. This yeah. is like they've taken inspiration from a really heartwarming story and they've turned it into, you know, they've changed a few details to tell a better story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I think people say apparently he wasn't as. Um, he wasn't homophobic and stuff. Like he wasn't that bad of a guy mm. um, in real life. And and the Jennifer Garner character and the Jared Leto character aren't real. Yeah. So it is a bit fabricated, but you know, like it's it a serves movie. the story. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I I don't care whenever they take liberties in telling us the story. It, it depends for me. Like I cried when I saw Bohemian Rhapsody because of how wrong they got it. Yeah. But in this sort of film, a story about like a, a film based on a, an article in a newspaper about a real guy. I yeah. don't know. I feel like you can kind of have a bit of fun with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you think there were there any bits that you found treaded too dangerously close to the to the pretentious side? Do you think there's anything in there that walked that fine line for you too closely? Um, not really. I mean, like, there was some, some parts that I, that I found heavy handed, but I I couldn't say that, uh, I would remove them. Maybe I was just (laughs) a little uncomfortable about how easily it was affecting me emotionally. But I mean, like, sure. When Jared Leto's character is like coughing up blood that's that's my that that scene and a yeah. bit of the subplot with jared leto is kind of the stuff that i didn't really attach myself too much like the whole him dying bit yeah i don't it's know a bit felt a bit too far but I, but, I, but i feel like the movie kind of needed it it's a bit full-on just like crying being like i don't want to die yeah like, i didn't need that but i no. wasn't it didn't take me out of it yeah, you know what that I mean? that to me was the scene where I, like it wasn't like something like that isn't going to ruin the movie, but I can say that that is the, the closest I got to being like, oh Oscar bait, like this is the <laughs> yeah. that that's the that's you know like, and the fifth nominee for best supporting actor is Jared Leto. They play a scene. I don't want to die. You know, like that's the. <laughs> <laughs> that's the clip they play at the Academy Awards when he's, yeah, yeah. you know, like that's that's that bit. Mm. Um, but yeah, I yeah. felt like that bit was um, a bit heavy-handed. Yeah. Um, there were um, a couple of lines that uh, Jennifer Garner delivered that I thought was um, unconvincing, but I mean... Yeah, but it's Jennifer Garner, though. What do you expect? Yeah, like, but she's the not fact that, that good. The fact that that's sticking out to me shows like, how 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 much i enjoyed the rest of the film because like it's quality like all the way through and you know what uh her performance is actually like uh pretty good for the most part 
And then there's one point that I was like, um, you know, while I was watching it, I was like, holy shit, she can really act. Because, so when she comes in to confront him um, for the first time, uh, Matthew McConaughey, she's like, hey, these are my patients. Uh, wh- wh- what, are you, what are you doing? And he's like, hey, uh, fuck you, bitch. You're feeding them poison. And, uh, and then she has been fighting against this medicine that they're serving at the hospital. Um, but she says, um, uh, then she like, she quotes like, um, a line that she's been fed several times throughout the film of like, um, uh, it, um, it helps, uh, defeat the virus or something like that. And, um, she says it in such a way that sounded like someone who uh, is just remembering a line that they've been fed over and over again. And she didn't really mean it. It was just like something that she was, uh, you know, forced to habitually take on and then just said it in the moment and didn't even really understand why she was saying it. I felt all that in that performance, in that moment. And I was like, holy shit, that was incredible line delivery um but but then uh a bit later on in the film she does some like pretty awful line drops and i was like oh maybe that was like an accident or maybe uh that was just her trying to remember what the line was no i I think we should give her some credit i think we we should give her and the director credit for that um but no like she She's pretty good in this, but, like, I don't know. There's only so much you can do with certain people. Um, yeah. so, she's well cast. Yeah, she's well cast. Yeah, she's definitely like the, well the cast character, she does well, the, yeah. The character is a bit of a uh, a boring, fuddy-duddy type. Which totally. Think, which I think Jennifer Garner portrays really well. If she portrays anything well, she's sort of a bit, a bit boring. So, uh, we're both not the biggest Jared Leto fans, and I'm pretty sure we've discussed him on this podcast before. Mm. Um, you're saying that you were, uh, you were quite convinced by his performance in this film? Yeah, well, I mean, he was, uh, like, believable in the role, and um, I liked the chemistry between the characters. Yeah. And I forgot that it was Jared Leto. So yeah. if I'm not you know if I'm not watching Jared Leto and I didn't feel cuz every other every other thing I see him in it feels like he's trying to be Jared Leto in a movie. I think he's trying to be Heath Ledger to be honest. Right. I think in- he's trying to be that like chameleon method actor guy yeah but he's so not right no he's not at all is every yeah every movie he's in he's trying to like wear fucking eye contacts and a wig or some shit and be a different character but it's but he has the same fucking little head like it always he always looks the same to me yeah you know um this is the i'm trying to i'm i've got it open now before this i think i'd seen him in phone booth which is, you know, we've talked... Oh, not Phone Booth, fucking Panic Room. 
mm. which was crap, and he like he was crap in that one. Um, I think this is the first time I saw him act where I was like conscious of him as an actor and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty good. And then you know, the next thing I see is Suicide Squad <laughs> <laughs> that he's in, and I'm like, oh wait. I'm yeah, before wrong. this, I knew him as um, the worst part of Fight Club. Oh, and- right. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, like, I- I'd seen Fight Club, but, th- you know, th- like, when I first saw Fight Club, that was n- not in the era where I was, like, remembering everyone and knowing everything, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. So, I knew him as the shit guy in Fight Club and um, the lead singer of that band I hate. Yeah, 30 Seconds to Farts. That <laughs> yeah. <one. laughs> yeah. 30 yeah, Seconds that. to Farts. Yeah, God. That, that, that'll be our band when we start one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, yeah. Did you, uh, did, you find the, did you find the film funny? Oh, yeah. No, it's funny. Okay. Cause, but I found he's... Um, I didn't know if it was supposed to be funny, but I found his homophobic and racist outburst very funny. I think it's meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> Like even when like even when Rayon's like trying to rub his leg and he's like fuck off faggot like it just sounds <laughs> like he's just this little dying man in a bed but yeah. like he's choosing that hill to die on and I like think it's because it, he's got he's got a funny little haircut yeah and a, and a big mustache and he's very skinny I I think we got to give credit to Jared Leto here because I don't think the the comedy like some in some of the instances. It comes from just Matthew McConaughey and the script and everything. But, like, in the interactions with Rayon where he's homophobic, mm. it is the play between the two. Like, the chemistry yeah. between the two is what makes it funny. They have, you know they what have I mean? good chemistry. Yeah, and there's parts, like, when, when they have their their um, their office set up in the hotel. Yeah. And, and uh, they're inter- in the way they interact with each other, that they're, like business partners and it's and it and it and it's very sweet because he's still holding on to his um you know homophobic retort but he's clearly accepting her for who she is because um he doesn't refer to her uh he refers to her as his partner like his Mm. business partner and he speaks down to her in a way um that doesn't feel uh, so sinister like it does at the beginning of the film he's not scared anymore like um, when they're shopping for healthy food oh yeah and then that's the moment where you can see that he's really jumped <laughs> jumped uh jumped ship yeah uh, yeah they're having like they're having like um like a couple's banter argument while they're while they're while they're shopping and he's like telling her like go and put this put this shit back and then his his old buddy comes along and calls her calls her a freak and then he like beats him up or something. Yeah, like puts him in a headlock and makes him apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's and stuff, then, but that the payoff to that is the yeah. payoff to that is that like, you know, Rayon's like, you know, smiling and stuff, and then he like throws the chips back at her and be ends like, put the shit back. Like that, yeah. that's the payoff like it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, so, yeah, and then, like, there's this part during the film, um, which is them just operating their business, and the chemistry between the two, 
and like you 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 kind of take a little bit of a, a a break to the main plot to just watch them operate the business and interact with different clients for a bit and i was thinking i could watch this as like a season of a show yeah where, it could have been a telly show yeah. yeah just like just these two operating their their Dallas buyers club because it was really funny and very charming mm. is there um anything else you want to say about Dallas buyers club or or even Sea of Trees, or shall we uh, shall we move on? Why don't do you I think? read these reviews? Oh yes, please. So, um, and, so yeah, uh, for anyone who hasn't listened to us before, as a as a segment, what we do is we um, take the best and worst, um, highest rated and lowest rated IMDb reviews for each film. So, like the the one with the most votes for with 10 stars and the one with the most votes for one stars just to kind of see you know both sides of the story for both films to see how people you know the what do you call it the spread of opinions for both films anyway why don't i start with the worst review for dallas buyers club sure why not let's spice this up okay so this is by daisy duke 743 uh if you're a self-respecting woman run one star, uh, 4th of December, 2013. Huh? This, this movie started out okay, you see Ron Matthew engaging in some risky behavior. There were a few funny parts showing how crazy his character is, but when he gets some health news, you do start to feel for him. But as the movie goes on, you're bombarded with naked females and not just a flash of boob, but enough to make this self-respecting woman walk right out of the theater. <laughs> Nobody should go to a film and feel degraded like that. If Excuse I could give... me? Yeah. If I could give this Dallas series... Bias Club? Yeah, because there's um, a bit of nudity, but there really isn't that much. He goes to a strip club and then I think maybe there's like there's like um, a, two sex scenes early on i think he has like a three-way with drugs with two chicks yeah and like then there's early the strip on. club but then later in the film yeah he's at the strip club and i i i can't recall any other any other boobs that happen i don't actually remember any as well i don't understand how this film is offensive to anyone except for big farmer yeah you know uh if i could give this zero stars i would I feel this movie had great potential, but took it way too far. Took the potential too far? The, the boobs too far? Too much female nudity in Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, there needs to be a line drawn in how females are treated in films today. I'd give a more detailed review, but left pretty early on. I had, I had had more than enough. I wish I could get my money... What? Okay, I, I that <laughs> is legitimately so confused. I just don't even really remember that much boob, to be honest. So I, I think, don't. Okay, she said she left pretty early on. So yeah, at the beginning of the film, um, he doesn't. He has treat a three women. way. Yeah, he has he a three way with drugs. Yeah, like that's th it. That is like the opening of the film. Oh, you're barely like ten minutes in at that point. Yeah. I I guess she just saw that and then left. Thought that was the whole film. That but it isn't. Have, yeah, that must have been it. My nen, my nen could watch that scene and not walk out of the movie. Yeah, because she's like, um, we see, uh, 
we see naked females and not just a flash of boob, (laughs) but a whole, a whole topless woman just sitting there. A whole both of the boobs. Yeah, we see both of them. Deuce, baby. Um, Yeah, not a film that's really known for its uh, female nude. That is the weirdest thing you could take out of this. That's like complaining about its portrayal of Mexicans because he's in Mexico for a bit. Yeah, no, it makes no sense. That is the stupidest review. And I don't... Yeah, just... Yeah, what? (laughs) God. Okay. It wins. So, this is, um, you know, the top-rated positive review is a 10 star review by worry uh evokes an era most will not care to remember uh november 2013 much has already been written about matthew mcconaughey and jared leto's astonishing transformations and brilliant performances solid and true yes they both deserve enormous accolades golden globe and ampus worthy what's what's ampus ampas yes Academy, Motion, Picture, Art... And Science, yeah. Arts and Science. For these transformations and the effort of their craft, but I think the true heroes of this project are the producers who took a chance on such dicey subject matter. Some reviews hail the project as a crowd-pleaser, and yet, you realise, these are truly marginal characters, and not entirely likeable, as some have already said. In an era, 70s to 80s, early AIDS crisis... That is nearly forgotten in this age of HIV exposure as a managed care condition, rather than a death sentence, as it was between 79 and 95. As much as this could be a feel-good film for the discovery and pioneer of protease inhibitor cocktails, it is a compelling character study of a time of crisis that has not been well captured or documented adequately in quite some time Bravo to the producers of this movie for giving this project the green light because the sexually active youth of today would never know the plague and tragedy that preceded their coming of age without a reminder like this. Uh, yeah, I have to agree. Like I said before that um, if there was anything driving them other than it just being like, uh, you know, a good script, it's that, um, it, you know, socially... I think we do need more films like this. I mean, it's unfortunate that like movies have to be the thing, but as as long as they are going to be the thing, then it's then it's a positive thing that there's films like this that are like, oh hey yeah, and this happened and it was fucked. Sure, like putting the spotlight on something. Yeah, and also yeah. that um, they have the balls to. Yeah, basically call out, you know, a big pharmaceutical company. And and not just one big pharmaceutical company, but uh, how that, like... System works. Yeah, how that, in- how that uh, like, industry functions and then how, like, the system enables it. Um, yeah, is not something you're going to see very often. Do you think that's why this movie, it took 20 years for that script to get picked up um i think that's probably a mix of that and um you know for any um very young listeners i mean like i'm 31 and it was doesn't feel like it was that long ago that homophobia was still like fine 
I mean, well, now depends people on get- where people are in the world, but I can say here in Australia that it's only in the last few years that it's kind of swapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel we're like now we're- on the right side of history in that sense. There's still a bunch of it out there, but yeah, there's we're still now a lot we're now in the there, positive numbers. Like- we're now past the sixty percent mark. Yeah, yeah, I remember the time that yeah, yeah, it wasn't not like that long ago that you still felt like it was a a minority view, and that the like the majority was was a you know like a homophobic. Um, yeah, and so I think probably they were trying to get this movie made in the nineties. Yep, like uh, you know that probably had something to do with it. Producers in the nineties being like, nobody wants to watch a queer movie or nobody wants to watch a film that depressing or um i'd argue a lot of people wanted to watch queer movies in the 90s the queer 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 new wave of the 90s was pretty awesome yeah but but i i just mean i'm talking from the perspective of a hollywood producer who i think would probably still have that view right um yeah but like definitely like uh they probably had that's probably why they had trouble getting it funded now like you said it still wasn't easy for them to get it done no and we were into the 2010s by that stage yeah 2013 so, if I, i'm pretty sure wasn't it 2013 yeah and there's really there's this really um like they spend the whole movie basically shitting on this company and their fucking drug that ended up like killing people yeah um then there's this like like message like right at the end of the film like the film ends and then this like uh monotone fucking uh text pops up that just says um eventually the drug turned out to be good and it saved a whole bunch of lives yeah but like it like the point was that they were poisoning people by giving them too much of it and it's like who made you put that in yeah it was probably (laughs) part of the fucking yeah Part of the, we're not going to release this unless you put something like that in there. Because like, I I have to disagree with part of your point. Like you got to remember that in 2013 we are post Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and that movie did that one Best Picture or something, didn't it? Like that was a huge film. And yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, You know that 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 featured you know butt sex. You know, mm-hmm. like, um, I can I I can say butt sex by the way, um, but. I think it mainly has to do with the controversial opinions on the pharmaceutical companies, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I can understand why it might not have got made until, like, 10 years before that. But in 2013, you know, the the pharmaceutical companies are getting stronger and stronger every day, you know? So that would have been, I think, the biggest hurdle to get over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't make a movie, especially in America, that uh, like essentially shits on like a major corporate entity. Yeah. And like, and 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 use like true events and like tragic history, where it's just like, um, yeah, during the 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 AIDS epidemic, uh the pharmaceutical companies like this is how fucking heartless they were they were just looking for like a way to profit from it i mean yeah if i was a fucking um like pr manager for for a fucking pharmaceutical company my job would be to like keep an eye on a film like that Mm. 
Mm, definitely. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, the good guys won. This movie not only got released, but they couldn't sweep it under the carpet and it became, you know, well regarded. So I'm, I'm happy that happened, you know? Mm. Like, it could have, they could have easily, like, squashed it after release. Like, you know, I don't mean to be the asshole that brings up Citizen Kane, but that movie got squashed because it's a movie about William Randolph Hearst. And, you yeah. know, like, he, he squashed it because he didn't want, you know, there to be a movie about him portraying him in a negative light so you know that there are ways that it can be done but i'm happy to say this movie was too big for that to happen yeah too good love one in the end yeah love one that's good i think that's why this movie feels so good to watch it fucking really does feel like that that's what you take away from it love wins bitch love always wins yeah that there's a beauty it's it, it it's the beauty of cinema and the chaos behind it and sometimes the good guy wins. All right. Let me read this fucking... Oh, God. Are we going 10-star review or one-star review for Sea um, of Trees? Okay. I'm going one-star review for Sea of Trees first. So, this right. is by uh, Chucky Noland. Uh, Oscar winner plus Oscar winner doesn't equal Oscar contender. Um, so, this is May 2015. Holy crap, I had the unfortunate pleasure of screening this film. I guess Hollywood did die a few years ago and give up on new scripts in favor of remaking remakes for summer blockbusters. Um, what? This isn't a remake. I think he means that the movies that aren't that are shit. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um... Matter of fact, that hasn't worked well, and they are just so desperate to turn a profit, they sign up people that won awards from some made-up award show to make their production company seem for valiant. Uh, did that make sense to you? Nope. Okay. Just... This movie was made by A24, by the way. Oh, One of their, really? Yeah, this is an A24 oh, film. The infallible A24. Yeah. Um, case in point, this film... Somebody won a much-deserved Oscar for actor in a leading role, and another one has been nominated. You can just say their names, dude. Jesus. Uh, yeah, why is th- he refusing to say their names? <laughs> yeah, this all sounds like like I'm meant to be reading between the lines. Like he's like uh, unearthing a conspiracy. Um, let's throw it all together before the summer and take it to Khan. Everyone that saw Age of Ultron must be waiting to read news of Khan. When was Khan relevant last? 1999? Palm Door? Serious? The Coen brothers are judging this year. Don't take it serious this year yet again. After all, they were paid off to write the god-awful Angelina film. Gags. What? (laughs) Is this actually the review? Yeah, I'm reading it like word for word. This is it. This is how it's written. I don't know what's going on. He's referring to what was it, Unstoppable or Unbreak, that that really weird Angelina Jolie war film that the Coen brothers wrote. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I don't know what that has to do with Sea of Trees. Um, The Coen brothers are judging Khan, so don't take it seriously because they wrote that crap Angelina Jolie movie. Oh, this guy sounds like the biggest pretentious arsehole on the planet, and I'm pretentious. Okay, so... so, Fuck me. All right, one one more paragraph. I'm sorry. When these reviews get bad, I really get mad. Yeah. Sea of Trees. Terrible script. A bunch of just one or washed up actors. Did Terry Malick direct? Oh, no, he didn't. 
I guess they were hoping based on the title and rubbish script or trailer to yet be released, we'd just fall in love a la la lot of other Matthew films and say, oh yeah, I saw the trailer. I saw the trailer. It looked great. I gave it a nine. Oh no, fail. Um, this is so. This is early onset dementia. I yeah, what is going on? How else? Um, so he says he had the pleasure of screening the film. What does that mean? I don't. I think that's his pretentious way of saying he watched it. Right. You said the trailer's not out. I don't know, man. Who is this guy? Chucky Noland. Uh, the Chuckster. Fuck. I'm, I don't, I'm, yeah, I'm confused. Is I'm this guy, just, like, in the industry or something? But he I hates the Coen brothers? Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like he, like, maybe in the industry. Oh, he probably is. Because that would explain why he hates the Coen brothers. Because he's jealous. Maybe, yeah. So, he's, like, in the industry, but, like, barely. Yeah. So, he hates the Coen brothers. Yeah. All right, I'm just going to read this positive review because this is the one I was really looking forward to. So this is a 10 out of 10 review for Sea of Shit. Esteemed <laughs> Dancers 1. Okay. Don't let others influence you to not watch this movie. I don't understand why this movie was booed at the Cannes Film Festival. This is a beautiful story. It is a story in which we learn so many lessons about life's most difficult moments and how one can find the courage to survive. Excellent acting and beautiful script. The cinematography is beautiful. An American man. Uh, by, by the way, the, the cinematography is nothing. Yeah, the, yeah there's the no... Cinematography what is the cinematography? Is yeah, the forest is nice. By the way, didn't even shoot it in Japan. They shot it in, like, fucking Arkansas or some shit. Yeah. They just went to a forest and shot it there, and they were like, whoa, Japan... Okay, an American man, Arthur Brennan, (laughs) his name is Arthur Brennan, played by Matthew McConaughey, travels to the suicide forest to kill himself. By the way, extremely pretentious way to kill yourself. Like one of the most pretentious ways to kill yourself. He's an author. Yeah, travel to the suicide forest to kill kill yourself anywhere. What are you doing? You want your death to mean something because your life meant nothing? Ugh. He's the worst fucking character. Like, this character sucks. Okay. He travels to the suicide forest to kill himself at the base of Mount Fuji in Japan, the site of numerous suicides. There he encounters a Japanese man, Takumi Nakamura, played by Ken Watanabe who wants to kill himself as well, and both men begin a journey of self-reflection and survival. But more than the suicide theme, there is the story of Arthur Brennan and his relationship with his wife, Joan, or Joanne, played by Naomi Watts, which is told to the viewer with a series of flashbacks. The core problems that exist in so many marriages are brought to the surface and examined during the unfolding of the story. Sorry, what problems... Yeah, what I don't know prob- what they're saying. What problems did they have? That she was just, like, mad at him because he didn't work as a professor when he could. Instead, he, like, like eked out a meager living writing books. <laughs> but they didn't need money. Like, she Wasn't was just she like, fine? Look at the house they lived in. They were yeah, fine. Yeah, they lived in a big house. And she's like, we could be richer, you know. And he's like, 
yeah, but I like doing this. Yeah, but then her ghost came back and helped him. Yeah, after she... I just can't get over that. Oh, oh, dude, we didn't even talk about how she dies. That was hilarious. That was fucking so funny. Oh, okay. So what happens, right? Uh, She gets diagnosed with cancer. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, so she gets diagnosed with cancer. And then, you know, you're watching this in the series of flashbacks. And you're like, oh, okay, so... Uh, is that why he killed himself? Because that's meant to be like the thing that keeps you hooked is every flashback. You're like, so is this going to be, um, you know, why he killed himself? Uh, is this going to reveal the reason? Anyway, it's so, pretty manipulative way. It's a pretty yeah. manipulative story technique, by the way. Yeah. So in uh, one one flashback, we, um, you know, his wife gets diagnosed with cancer. Um, and it's like, oh, okay. So she's going to die of cancer. Anyway, so we follow the cancer thing for a while. And then she fucking recovers. And he's like, uh, hell yeah. Uh, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, um, be happy together now. Um, and then, and then the ambulance is like driving her back home. Yeah. Is that what happens? Pretty yeah, sure. And, yeah. And he's like. I'll follow you in my car. Uh, and then as they're driving home, he's in his car like, uh, yippee. And and then uh, the ambulance goes through an intersection and they just get fucking T-boned. Like, like the car gets fucked up. It's like the end of No Country for Old Men. And then he gets out and <laughs> runs over. And, I uh, wish I was watching No Country for Old Men. Yeah. She runs over... And, uh, and, and she's dead and that, and that's why he wants to kill himself. So at the beginning of the film, uh, at the beginning of the flashbacks, uh, he fucking hated his wife and she was a bitch and to get us to care about her, they had to give her cancer and to get us to believe that he would kill himself over her. He had, they had to like give her cancer so that he could like love her again and that they could like you know, recapture some sort of magical, actually learn to love each other legitimately for the first time. Uh, And then he starts to feel a sense of life and love and living because at the beginning of the flashbacks, he's a fucking dead man. Like he's just a nothing guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, So then he, for the first time in his life, presumably starts to actually feel something and then it's ripped away from him. And so that's why he wants to kill himself. Couldn't they have just, why did they have to set... Why did they have to start their relationship shit? Like, why couldn't they just tell a more simple story where it's like they're in love and something happens? Like, yeah. I don't get... It's like reverse engineering. I don't get it. I'm just wondering if, like, the the, the, the writer of the film, this is, like, kind of about him. And then he he's, like, uses his own relationship as like inspiration for the character's relationship. But then halfway through writing it, realized that he fucking hates his wife. And then was like, Oh God. Um, well, he's got to love his wife or else why would he kill himself? Okay. What would make me love my wife? Well, if she, she gets got, cancer. if she got cancer, I would, you know, then, then I would, you know, start to start to love her. And, um, but yeah, but then if she died, would I, from cancer, would I kill myself? Why wouldn't I just kill myself then? Oh, if she then came to life and I felt a sense of hope and elation and that everything was going to be okay, and then it was 
quickly ripped away from me, then I would kill myself. Okay, got it. Got my movie. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. I don't understand why you would make it this complicated. It's, it's, I don't know. Like it's, I feel like it's, again, it's reverse engineering. It's someone who's writing, yeah, like you said, writing something, but then having to write themselves out of the cooked situation they've got themselves into. But then you're flashing back between that and, you know, him and Ken Watanabe talking pretentious crap near a fire. And it just ends up being nothing. Yeah, it feels really cheap when they when they give her cancer because it's like, oh, okay, you know that I don't like this character. Yeah. And you had to do the cheapest thing possible to get me to feel sorry for her. So you gave Why didn't they cancer. just rewrite her? Why didn't they just make him like her? I don't know, because that would have, you know, taken more effort than it was worth. You know, we just well, because it's it trying to be an art movie or something. Trying to be yeah. like a, a cerebral drama about the, the woes of being an author. And then no one takes them seriously, and then but then but then they have to write themselves up. But like, it sounds like they didn't know why he was going to kill himself to begin with. Yeah, which is I dumb. Think that's probably it. Yeah, and you can't. Should, that that should be the first thing you figure out, and then figure out what happens to him afterwards. Yeah, I don't know. Anywho, okay. So let me just read this last paragraph. But more than the suicide theme, there is the story of Arthur Brennan and his relationship with his wife Joan which is told to the viewer with a series of flashbacks. The core problems that exist in so many marriages are brought to the surface and examined during the unfolding of the story. It is a stark reminder of how easily we sometimes let love and relationships deteriorate when we don't have to, thinking we will one day have time to fix the problem. Beautiful story and excellent acting from all. I loved this film. Um, I don't know. I don't think this is a real person. I think, I think it is, but I think it's someone who thinks that they're smarter than they are and just like, or a contrarian, you know, someone who wants to kick against the pricks to prove a point. Yeah, maybe. I mean, like, yeah, they were probably like mildly touched by the movie and then went online and saw that everyone hates it. So then they felt like they were being obligated attacked. to. Yeah, because it's either someone who is like the main character or it's someone who is like the main female character. They saw like them, the, you know, when the movie started, like while well, we were like, wow. So it's about um, a bitch wife. <laughs> yeah. She was probably like, oh, I see a lot of myself in Naomi Watts. <laughs> like, Did you just character. assume the gender of the author? Um. Yeah. Well, uh, their name is Esteemed Dancer. So only women dance. So yeah, definitely has to be a woman. I'm just going to pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> you say that a lot on this podcast. Do I? I? I've said it a couple of times this episode because you've been a bigot, but, um, you know, not every episode. Not every episode, I'm a Just bigot. this one. Not no. yet. You're only a bigot sometimes. Thank you. Know? you. It's fine. Cool. All right. Uh, well, do- that is the um, the beautiful review for... Suicide Forest is just as boring and vapid as the film. As the film. Cool. Do we want to give our final fart ratings and uh, opinions of the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 10 out of 10, Dallas Buyers Club. I already said my everything that yep. needs to be said about that. Uh, I love it. It's a good movie. Um, it that kind of feels like it shouldn't be as good as it is, but it's easily rewatchable. It's like it's got everything in it without um being 
being cheesy and crap, which you've, by every measure of everything that has come before, you'd think that it would suck, but it's dope. I uh, give a 10 out of 10 and the suicide forest piece of shit. I give zero cause it sucks. And it's one of the worst fucking movies I've ever seen. It was painful to watch. It's not, it's, it's really painful to watch. It's not even funny. No, the, the one moment you laugh is the, is the ambulance accident bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 10 out of 10 for Dallas buyers club. It's a movie that I hope will be remembered as a classic for years to come. Um, you know, like it, it, it ticks every box. Um, it, it lets my... I have... I get I get filmmaking butterflies from it. You know, the little film that could. Um, yeah, nothing... I don't... There's nothing really else I can say about, outside of what I've already said. Um, sea of Trees. Yeah, one out of... One out of ten. Can't give it zero. I feel weird about giving it zero. One out of ten farts. Um, I wish I was in the Khan critic audience booing it when it came out. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, is it a, my turn? It's my turn to recommend this week, right? Yeah. Cool. So, we're doing a special episode. Um, we, we actually talked about doing this when, uh, when the movie came out, but, you know, we had bushfires and we couldn't do it. So, oh, right. um, yeah, that was the big disaster then. Yeah. <laughs> there were fires. You were running around with a bucket, weren't you, trying to not stop your house from catching on fire <laughs> yeah yeah boy those um, were the days before the virus so we're going to watch the best the controversial and the worst of the star wars sequel trilogy for you for those who um don't know there are three of them so we're <laughs> going to be watching three films uh for the next episode do you think you can do that dane yeah yeah i think you uh, can sit through the sequel trilogy Boy, I can't wait to sit down and watch the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna reverse engineer this motherfucker. Start with the latest ones. Um, mm. I just can't, I can't get them out of my head the last little while, and uh, I think I, I think I have some things I need to say. So, yeah, okay. Thanks for listening. This has been uh, yeah, movie butts, and uh, talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.